Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 10 of The Hilo, the news and pop culture podcast hosted by writers Pandora Sykes and Jolly Alderton. This is our 10th episode. It feels quite seminal, doesn't it, number 10? Yeah, I'm glad we've got to number 10. Did you think we'd get here, Panda? <laughs> Did you foresee this? You've said it like we're on like episode 110. Uh, <laughs> yes, I thought we might see through two and a half months. I thought I thought we'd be all right. So 10 episodes, that's been an achievement. What has been your achievements this week, Pandora, in both high and low terms? What have I been doing this week? I listened to... So we've been compared... The Hilo has been compared a few times, very, very flatteringly, to a podcast in the US called Call Your Girlfriend. So I listened to an episode of Call Your Girlfriend, which is based on the premise that there's two best friends and one lives on one coast, east coast, and one lives on the west coast of America, and they catch up on the news that week. And I listened to one of those and loved it, so I've now got 90 more to listen to. I also listened to an episode of Monocycle, Leandra Medine, a.k.a. Man Repeller's podcast. I love that podcast. She's done one with Drew Barrymore. Um, so I think I tweeted it off the Hilo's account. Never sure which one I tweet off. Tweeted it off the Hilo's account saying, for all of the Josie Grossies out there. And it's a really kind of revealing listen. Drew Barrymore says how she's had a really tough year and she was struggling with anxiety. And I really enjoyed listening to that. Have you ever watched There's this famous interview that she did on a chat show when she was about eight years old no is that around et time yeah she kind of flirts with the chat show host and she carries herself with this almost creepy adult charisma and then everything in her life was kind of so premature you know she got into drugs really young she was smoking Mm. really young and i'm i'm amazed and fascinated that she's come out of it the other side obviously i know she had like a very difficult time but She's a very grounded woman now. It's a really good episode, though. We'll tweet the link to the podcast on the Hilo's Twitter. If you're not following us, follow us at the Hilo Show. I am being very active. Did you, you see when you I are. was uh, hungover, I was posting clips to interviews with Marilyn Manson? You still haven't quite got the hang of the we and the I. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'll get there. I think it's OK if you don't get there. That's, that's how you can tell the You difference. can just tell who it is because it's when it's just a completely random fragment of thought of a sort of mad woman that and it's me and when it's something culturally relevant it's Pandora <laughs> no that's not always that's not always the case Alicia's attic um, <laughs> I'm also reading a brilliant book an anthology of short stories by Roxane Gay who is an American writer it's called Difficult Women and it's just I mean it's just breathtaking it's the best thing I've read in so long and I can't wait to give it to you Dolly um, what's it about? it's quite difficult to give a praise of, of this book. I like that you said that slowly, Pandora. We got an email, which we were very, very thankful for, actually. I genuinely was, because I go through life constantly mispronouncing no. words. And also, it's like the thing when you have something on your face that you should always let someone know. So thank you for the pedant who emailed us to tell us <laughs> that we were continually saying, pray see wrong. 
presses, I believe we were both calling it. <laughs> They've been described as essays about modern American women. I don't really think that d- does it justice. They are powerful, sometimes mythical essays on humanity. I can't sum it up anymore, and I don't want to sum it up anymore. I want you to go and read it and let it overtake you. And I've also been enjoying the Alexia Shapewear adverts. <laughs> it's so frustrating because you keep tagging me in them on Facebook and I can't access Facebook. Because you're on a Facebook detox so you can write your book. So Alexia Shapewear, if anyone else hasn't had these sponsored to the high heavens and back again on their Facebook and social media channels, Alexia Shapewear are these bras that you stick on to the front of your tits and then you pull this sort of like silken corsetry <laughs> and it jams jams your tartars together and I'm really it's disgusting to look at and I believe largely improbable and I'm obsessed with watching them but also if your boob has any sort of weight boob it will not it will not singular if <laughs> the fashion singular I was going to say like the lip and the but trouser if your, if your boobs have any sort of weight they are not going to be cradled by that silken corset maybe you should pitch a story to a national newspaper of your choice whereby I feel like I'm spending my entire life escaping that inevitability of my career (laughs) Dolly what have you been up to this week I haven't read a page of anything this week because I got completely hooked on S-Town which is the new podcast series from This American Life is it better than Serial? personally I think it is I think you might think it is as well, because if you're after a kind of forensic, gripping, thriller, murder mystery... I wish you could see Dolly's hand hand gestures. <laughs> I know, I'm talking like an Italian. There's a lot of, like, boxing <laughs> movements. If you're looking for that, then you will be disappointed with it. But it begins with a man in Alabama who is in a town called Woodstock that he calls Shit Town, and he emails someone at This American Life and says... I have two really big stories for you about um, uninvestigated murders um, that I think you should uncover in Shittown, Alabama. And then someone from This American Life forms a relationship with this man and then he goes to Alabama and I, I cannot... I don't want to give you any spoilers, but... Sounds a bit like Catfish. It is the most revealing... I think it's the best podcast I've ever listened to. John Ronson said the same. Except this one. Except, <laughs> except for this masterpiece. It ends up being a kind of complex unravelling of so many social issues and and, uh, it's a very human story. Please listen to it. Thank you for that, Bracey. (laughs) Very good (laughs) use, Pandy. I I, I absolutely will. I had completely forgotten to check that out. It's been been number... I think it's actually now... Um, Number one on the usurped charts. serial in terms of its downloads. I think it's had like 80 million downloads, I think. Maybe oh 40 God. million. I can't remember. But it's, I think, four hours. It's done in chapters. And I did that entire thing in one sitting in one afternoon. So I was listening to that. I also finally caught up on the trip to Spain, which is an amazing kind of improvised half mockumentary, half documentary half sort of sketch show between Steve Coogan and Rob Ryden. The first one was in Yorkshire, which was brilliant. The second one was in Italy, which was great. And then the third one I actually think is the best series that they've done. And it's much kind of darker and it's about ageing and success and death. Death really hangs over it in this very comic way. I'm sure I read something about it in The Observer. Are people confused as to whether it's like 
fact or fiction and I think is, and first, is it a blurring of it really is a blurring of and from someone who a bit like Larry David stuff. yeah exactly from someone who when I worked in reality TV for years and years the big question was how do we turn up the dial of television of constructed reality TV to blur those lines even further of what is scripted and what isn't and the number of shows I worked on and the taster tapes that I made where it just didn't it just didn't quite work because TV producers would think they're doing this really kind of boundary pushing thing but audiences would just feel a bit mugged off and a bit confused and they kind of just wanted to know what was real and what wasn't but the trip I think is the only one that has successfully done it so seamlessly and created a genre of itself I sometimes feel a bit mugged off when I watch the programme that you used to be a producer (laughs) on I can tell they're taking me for a ride. Uh, is that still... If, apparently the series is very good. Is that still going? Yeah, it's making me angry. So I'm oh, sure why? that your old colleagues would say it's having the right... It is, exactly. The right impression. Yeah, so that's what I've been absorbed in. And Ed Sheeran was on one of our favourite radio shows, Desert Island Discs on oh, Radio 4 this Sunday. So polarising Ed Sheeran, isn't he? I will listen to that. It's so funny because I just didn't even know he was really a thing. What? Like when they when she was giving the intro because it's this real special deluxe bumper I love edition. You for, I love you for stuff like that. Like what does that even mean? I just didn't realise that Sharon was like but a thing. I didn't realise she was like you know she Kirsty like Young. It's a man, Ed <laughs> oh, I was listening to the wrong thing. Uh, Kirsty Young was Edwina like Sheeran. in the uh, intro. Was like uh, and you currently have seven singles in the top. Ten. I was like, Dolly, that was so good. Have you practiced that? Of course, every day with your hair when I'm pretending to introduce myself. Yeah, no, he's phenomenally successful. I had no idea. Did you not listen to the hilarious takedown of sorts of his album on Seriously? That's the new statesman. Yes, I did listen. That was a very good takedown. Yeah, about the nice guy thing. Yeah, (laughs) but it's very good because I like his music um, because I'm basic as fuck. Some of his music, his music choices are very good, and I think he's he comes across he's very wise. And he's really likeable. Kirsty Young doesn't shy away from kind of asking the question mm. of how has someone who looks like you ended up transcending all Life. norms of fame <laughs> to become as big as you are. And they also talk as well, they kind of talk around it about how he got too caught up in drugs and girls and booze drugs. at the beginning of his career. Yeah. Did he? Mm. There is that amazing picture of him gurning. Do you remember from a few years ago? Well, obviously He's coming not. out. Never seen it. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, because you didn't really know much about Edwina Sheeran before you listened to him on Desert Island Disc. There's, there's, if you Google kind of Ed Sheeran wasted or something, this picture about two years ago, and it's um, it's quite an epic find. And poor man, it's it's the picture that all of us have buried somewhere. And Ed Sheeran's unfortunately made the front of many national newspapers. I found out something I think you'll enjoy this week. I oh, tweeted yeah. it, but you haven't been on Twitter, so I have to repeat it. Oh, tell me. Um, I weigh the same as Frankie Dettori. Who's Frankie Dettori? Is this a joke? No. Shut the fuck up. It's, it's not a joke. No. I've told you, a footballer. <laughs> Probably the most famous jockey to have come out of the UK. I don't know anything about sports. But I'm neither do I. <laughs> okay, um, if, if anyone else out there thinks it's odd that Dolly doesn't know who Frankie Dettori is, can you email us? Please send us many emails berating <laughs> me because I really enjoy those. He's a, re- he's a really famous Italian jockey, Frankie Dettori. Everyone else who has heard of him can enjoy that I weigh the same as well, him. I weigh the same as the baby elephant currently doing the viral video rounds on Facebook. So <laughs> that's another fact. We are introducing a new segment to the Hilo called 
the top line? The top line is your quick fire update of 10 things, both high and low, that have happened this week and is in no way inspired by The Week magazine. <laughs> Hashtag obsessed. And we thought it would be fun if we're going to alternate each week, if we try and do it in 90 seconds. What was his name from Countdown, the host? Richard Whiteley. I'm going to be your Richard Whiteley You can always today. be my Richard Whiteley. So you're the Richard Whiteley to my... Carol Vorderman. Twice nightly Whiteley. <laughs> right. 90 seconds on the clock, Charlie. Patrons of the Metropolitan Museum in New York are furious that celebrities such as Bella Hadid and Mark Jacobs were photographed smoking in the loo at the Met Gala and have called for them to be fined. It's Mental Health Week this week and Theresa May has not only announced plans to scrap what many consider a flawed Mental Health Act, but she also pledged to recruit 10,000 new NHS staff to the mental health sector by 2020. Former Sun editor and Sun columnist Kelvin McKenzie is set to be fired from his column for comparing the footballer Ross Barkley to a gorilla. Donald Trump updated his Twitter banner to a picture of lots of white people doing a thumbs up, overlaid with one of his own tweets denying collusion with Russia. Very effective. According to the TV show The Doctors, matching your lipstick to your nipple colour is the best way to find the right lipstick because your nipple colour is complementary to your skin tone. Alexa Chung launched a teaser video for her eponymous clothing line, which is launching on May the 30th, causing Instagram to implode. A law in France banning the use of unhealthily thin fashion models has come into effect. Models will need to provide a doctor's certificate attesting to their overall physical health with special regards to their BMI. If found guilty, employers could face up to six months in jail. There's a new Instagram food craze in town. Cloud eggs involve separating the whites from the yolk and whipping up the whites to look like adorable clouds. Jesus weeps. Ten seconds on the clock! <laughs> Idris Elba did an open casting on his Instagram and the police had to be called because thousands of people descended upon Hackney. And lastly, another week, another airline scandal. This time it's in Florida and there were full-on brawls after Spirit Airline cancelled more than 30 flights. Sorry, 300 flights. I'm quite sweaty. And that, my friends, is the top line. I feel like maybe there were some pacing issues there, Pandora, but I'm very impressed. <gasps> and thank I was you quite good with my, my pacing. Glam- thank you to my glamorous assistant, Charlie Jones. <laughs> um, have you looked at those egg cloud things? Yeah, have you, they are quite oh, pretty. Have you seen them? Disgusting. Out of all the things I included in the top line, they had more coverage than any other story, which is I know. sad. I know. <laughs> but also, have you seen that what you have to do is separate them and then whip the white and then bake the white and then cook the yolk and put the yolk in the middle? Yes, yes, it's I did see that. time. Well, yeah, I quite agree, yeah. Also, I'm interested, what colour would your lipstick be, Pandora? <laughs> oi, oi. Just having a look. I mean, your top see through anyway. Is it? No, it's... I'm calling it Dusky Rose. You? Very nice. I'm going to go for... I don't know if I'm quite dusky enough. Rosebud. <laughs> Have you managed to see it? I googled manically and I couldn't find any pictures of the new Alexa Chung collection. I thought you'd be quite into I that. I was so interested in no, what it looks like. It's, I think it's under lockdown until May the 30th. I haven't seen it but I've had word from someone that has that it is very Alexa and very expensive. Is it called dressage? Did I read that? No, it's called Alexa Chung. There's something about dressage somewhere. That's what you do when you ride horses. I know you don't know much about sport. No, but it's I swear a... it said dressage. Yeah, no, it's because in the video she does... Um, do you know what dressage is? Yeah, horses. Oh, right. Okay, great. I, d- I mean, not know the most famous dressage competitor. <laughs> no, he's not a dressage. He doesn't do dressage. That's amazing. Frankie de Tori. Antonio de Tori's. <laughs> Frankie de Shetland pony. No, no, and no. This poor, poor man. You bastardised him. I'm thrilled to hear about the Prime Minister's pledge to mental health I think that's really exciting news less thrilled about Trump's 
very Trump banner. Yeah, when it comes to social media, rather than his presidency, he is the gift that keeps on giving. Let us know what you think of the top line. I rather like it. I've learnt loads. Don't need to read the paper anymore. <laughs> you definitely still need to read the paper. You'll be doing next week's. Oh, so, God. you know, you can jibby-jab at me about my pacing, but I'd like to see my you... My pacing I'd like terrible. to see you rise. The, okay, I can tell that you're going to just pour with sweat. Oh, I'm going to pour with <laughs> I sweat. I got quite sweaty too. I'm going to just <laughs> blabber on, I can tell. So before we go on to our favourite stories of this week, I want to read a few emails in response to last week's episode also just want to let you know that moving forward we won't be able to respond to all emails we receive in the Hilo inbox we really wanted to do this we really did but dolly and i both have diverging and heavy workloads i know it's really boring when people talk about how busy they are but um it's actually not even so much about busyness it's just they suddenly have rocketed how many we get which was so um thankful for and we humble and we brag know. no but as in it it is it's it's and you just we just don't have the time to reply to all of them so thank you so much for writing to us we will reply when we can and we'll continue to read some out yeah. each week and we do read every single one both of us do listeners might remember matt hay matt hay who had the number 44 in his uh, email address last week who was based out in the Falklands. So he's replied with, Hello Dolly and Pandora. I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint you on two counts. I'm neither 44 nor single. It was actually my girlfriend Anna who got me listening to your show when we were on holiday in Scotland earlier this year. I'm 26 years old and the 44 in my email is simply to differentiate me from many other Matt Hayes out there. I'm sorry Dolly if I implied (laughs) an interest that wasn't there. I sent the email to you because you're always saying that the Hilo's Gmail account is your domain while Pandora mans the Twitter feed. Cheers, Matt. That's the universal fob off. (laughs) Poor man. He's terrified that you're somehow going to track him down in the... Matt in the Falklands. For those of you that didn't listen to last week's episode, where were you, you mongrels? Dolly, um, jokily or very seriously, depending on how you saw it, asked Matt to um, get in touch and, you know, to discuss romantic things. How are you feeling about this? Very good of you to read it out on the high-low, to mop up your town. I just found it so funny. I I thank you, Matt, for breaking it to me gently and um, somehow I will love again. (laughs) That's a very classy response. So here's another one. This is from Kate in response to the letter we read out last week from the girl who couldn't get over the mistake she made at work. Hi, Pandora and Dolly. I once mistakenly drunk texted my boss a message about her to her and it was the most devastating feeling ever. Not only because it was so unprofessional, but because it was a really shitty self-indulgent rant, which she'd done nothing to deserve. It still makes me feel sick to my stomach and I always recheck now when sending messages. It also made me grow up a bit. I just thought it was so important to read that out because, first of all, nothing can beat that in terms of a mistake. I mean, it makes me feel sick reading that. I think I've done that before, actually. I've done a sim- someone you're I've done a similar about. thing, yeah. yeah. But also just to remind you that this is the rich and diverse tapestry we call life and we all learn along the way. On to this week's biggest news, the new French president. May we... Thank God, some good news for world politics as Emmanuel Macron. I feel like how... I how do you do it? How do you? Well, like, you sound like such a dick if you go oh, Macron. No. Have you heard of that man, Emmanuel Macron? How are we... We need to decide the Macron. house style. Macron. 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 <laughs> Macron. 
<laughs> the 39-year-old centrist candidate who only founded his party on Marche a year ago. Uh, he won the French presidential election over Marine Le Pen, the very right-wing candidate. Obviously, this is very good news for France and good news for the world. Good news for the world, yeah. particularly we needed it. But I've also seen lots of tweets saying this is just another example of how the French do things better than the English. You know, there's always a kind of loo book out or there's a new article being like, the French women are better mothers. French women are better in bed. French men are better lovers. It's like they do politics better. They do everything better than us. I heard that as lube book. Lube book. God, that's a very specific book. An entire book about lube. I don't think they do enthusiasm better than us. You know, you could say to a French person something really excited and they go, oh, how wonderful. (laughs) God, that's a very good... It's a bit alo-alo, but it's... I like that panda. Anyway, there was a lot of hope pinned on this, wasn't there? And it felt like everyone was really depending on Macron, at least in liberal circles, to atone for the sins of Trump. And my French friends were very active on social media, obviously, and there's been a lot of memes. I was fascinated by the whole thing, a lot more than our own politics, partly because the Le Pen family is just extraordinary. So Marion, Marine's niece, is only 27 and more hardline than she is. Well, she was. She's been accused of backtracking by the right since. I've read this amazing profile on her a couple of weeks or months ago. I can't remember in the Times magazine, which was really scary. And um, Marine's father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, um, famously denied the Holocaust. And he gave this extraordinary interview a few days ago where he said his daughter was not fit to be president. They have a pretty weird relationship, to be fair. He was actually expelled from the Front National Party that he founded and that Marine distanced herself from during the campaign to try and win. Anyway, the Front National in the week of Marine's failed bid for presidency is renaming itself. So it's going to regroup. Needless to say, Marine is not president. It is a blow to the right. Um, And it feels like Macron stands for a lot of what we hoped a president, Mm. any president would stand for in 2017. He's neither left nor right, which I think is quite crucial right now um, as politics become increasingly polarised. I know everyone... Not everyone, but um, New Labour used to get such a ribbing for kind of not, do you know what I mean, not being being too right to, to be left. But I think as politics become increasingly polarised, I feel kind of much happier that someone who's centrist is is getting into power. And, and he's firmly on the left on social issues, which is really important to me. And so, economic as well. Yeah, so on the freedom to practice religion in a secular state, on equality, immigration. Um, he's very much someone that resonates with my politics. And he's only about six months older than both of us. <laughs> I know, I saw myself completely caught out slash nailed by a journalist who tweeted, Macron is only 39, is the new Lord is only 20. And I'd literally just written a tweet bemoaning that Macron was only nine years older than me. I'm more obsessed with that than the fact that he only founded his party in April 2016. Mm. Do you think he's sexy? On to the important stuff. (laughs) That's what we're here for, let's be honest. (laughs) Do you think he's sexy? A journalist tweeted, now let's get to the serious stuff. Who is sexier, Trudeau or Macron? Um, And I obviously replied and said Trudeau. Yeah, I'd say Trudeau, but I'd say Macron comes a close second. I texted my mum and I said, do you think Macron is sexy? And she said... I'm on the fence, but I think his wife is really sexy. Do you think this is a bit of double standards? What? Like, well, well, you know, we were up in arms over Legsit, but we're having sort of half genuine conversations about who's sexier, Trudeau or Because I think it's... There's no precedent with that. Um, I I think the gap is so wide between the objectification that that women get in the public eye than men. Like, no one's running 
Legsit pieces on Macron. So we are allowed in this corner of our podcast to talk about whether he's foxy because we've also talked about what a brilliant and welcome, welcome, what a brilliant and welcome president he is. So, yes, I feel fine talking about it. I said to my mum, do you know what she said? No, I think his wife is, se- is sexier. Oh, Brigitte, she and, has had then, much. I know. Much but then my mum was like, I'm also really excited about the fact that she's the same age as me. So this has obviously been a Because your mum can story. get a 39-year-old lover. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> yeah, mum, that's... Watch the... out, Tony. <laughs> that's the take-home. I've been quite fascinated by this story, mm. not least because of the story itself, but also how it's been reported. I find it very Mm. interesting that French media just do not seem to be that bothered by this. No. And it really shows their indifference, I think, the difference between... Like, if that was here, can you imagine it would all... Well, I read something saying that the French are completely nonplussed about the age difference. What they find really revolutionary is that he is um, loyal to his wife. (laughs) (laughs) That he doesn't cheat on her. I find it a slightly odd story. Do you want to do a pricey yes, for, the, so for the listeners at home? She is a teacher and she was his teacher. They met when he was 15. He actually was in the same class as one of her daughters. They were the same age. She has three children. And then he says that he instantly fell in love with her. He, she's 25 years her senior. And at 17, he went into her classroom and said, you may not know it yet, but I'm going to marry you and this will be our love story. And then... They got married and they've been they've been together she left, 20 yeah, she years. Left her, left her husband for him. Yeah. I mean, famously, they are the same age differences, Melania and Donald Trump, but inversed. So the 24 years is, is flipped between the sexes. I think it's slightly odd that they met when they were 15 and um, her kid was in his class because, you know, this would have been a huge scandal if it was the other way around. And I... and that I can't I, be ignored. You know, I know, it's, ignored. I know it's all fine and... and, and whatever now but I think that one of the dangers in the kind of engendered dialogue we have in society and I actually retweeted something that someone wrote I don't want to name him about um oh yes we're not naming him yeah about about needing to man up and I said it's this very it's this engendered rhetoric which leads to suicide being the biggest killer of men under 50 as they feel the pressure on them to be a certain way so I think you know if the boot had been on the other foot then we then then there would have been much more up in arms about it and I just don't think we can forget that young men are vulnerable just as young women are anyway so I I do find that slightly odd but I I thought it was interesting what what he said to Le Parisien newspaper, so many words testing me today. Emmanuel Macron addressed speculations about his sexuality and what he described as parallel lives. He said if his wife was younger than him, nobody would question the validity of their relationship. If I had been 20 years older than my wife, nobody would have thought for a single second that I couldn't be her partner. It's because she's 20 years older than me that people say this cannot be tenable, it cannot be possible. He claims that reports are due to misogyny and people ascribing traditional homogenous views about society. I totally agree with him on that, but I don't think that's all people. I think about. I think we're I think we're agreed. And Zoe Williams did a very balanced piece for the Guardian about this, where she said it can't be ignored that she was in a place, a position of authority. It can't be ignored that how this would be reported and how this would be viewed and digested if it had been an, a male teacher. But she also said that after twenty years. Mm-hmm of marriage, you would hope and assume that that gap has closed and that 
that tr- was tr- authentic love rather than and that it taking is, advantage yeah and that it is yes. consensual it and, certainly seems that. and the other thing she said is exactly what he said is that this ageism plays really really prevalently in the mm. subject of sexism and you know the fact that people are reporting that she's a beard simply because no one could ever understand why a man would be attracted to a woman who is very foxy is every, you know yeah who's over but basically in our in our kind of commercial dialogue now it's women over 40 it's like if you know if you're if you're over 40 you're not attracted enough to be on television That's... and you're not attractive enough in our consciousness i interviewed jennifer connolly once who is uh, you know a Hollywood actress for those of you like Dolly who might be a little bit behind on your um, pop culture and she said that when she turned 40 she noticed a real gear change in the script she was being sent and it was like she had aged Completely. 10 years you play the mothers yeah she said why does it have to be so binary why do you have to be the ingenue or the old lady why mm. can't you just be this kind of still sexual but you know slightly more wrinkles a few a few more years under your under your belt you know, people are still calling Michael Douglas a bloody silver fox. That's where the inequality lies with it. Very well said. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Eurovision! So this weekend is my favourite competition event of the year, other than Crufts and Rear of the Year, sponsored by Wizard Jeans. <laughs> the press photos of which I subjected Pandora to last week. You love Rear John of the Barrowman. Year. Um, so it is, of course, Eurovision. <laughs> um, it's happening this Saturday night, and this year we have XX Factor contestant Lucy Jones, and she will be our 60th act to represent the 60th. UK. I know. At the final in, help me out here, Pandora. Kiev. Is that Kiev? Kiev, not Kiev. Oh, it's Kiev. It's the same. It's just how they spell it in the Right, Ukraine. producer Charlie has informed us that <laughs> Kiev is the same as Kiev. Oh, that's very gracious of you. I was like, maybe we just cut all that out. No, let's keep it in. We're all forgetting things wrong and asking questions on the highlight. Anyway, it's in the <laughs> Ukraine. Um, and she's singing a stripped back pop ballad called Never Give Up On You. Are you a Eurovision fan, Panda? I'm a big fan of the phrase stripped back pop ballad. (laughs) I used to be a fan of Eurovision. I confess I have not watched it in recent years. I'm completely obsessed with Eurovision. There was this very hazy night a few years ago where my friends were all around for dinner and then we hadn't realised Eurovision was on. <laughs> As it started, we were like, let's play a Eurovision drinking game. And I think it That's was... That's why you love it. Oh, Everyone love who loves it. Eurovision loves it because it reminds them of the halcyon days of being inebriated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. And I loved it when I was younger. I loved Terry Wogan's very wry commentary. 
Graham Norton's hilarious. I love Graham Norton doing it. It feels like a real communal experience. I love the Twitter commentary that always happens alongside it. Um, I love the earnest joy. It's so inelegant. It's not. It's the opposite of chic. None of the lyrics quite translate into English, which I just love as well. There's a whole website that gives you some of the weirdest kind of translations of idioms. And there's a real sense of fellowship and respect as well, which I really like. Do you have any entries that you remember particularly well? Definitely, ooh, ah, just a little bit, ooh, ah, a little bit more by Gina G. I remember roller skating around the uh, roller skating rink to that. Conchita, the bearded lady, was of course a standout mm. and quite prescient as well of a, of a time of, of gender non-binaries and fluidity being discussed much more. And that was a few years ago. Yeah, giving something much more to the conversation than just a uh, terrible song, which yeah. is what Eurovision... <laughs> and we cannot not mention Katie Price, of course. Oh my God, a highlight if ever there was one and there was because this is it. Although, of course, she didn't actually make it to Eurovision. She put her bid in in 2005 to be the entry for the UK whilst wearing a bubblegum pink latex catsuit. remember very clearly in 2009 the Norwegian winner Alexander Ryback actually had a very catchy song how did that one go the kind of song that I imagine you listening to at home Pandora <laughs> when you're entertaining I can't tell if that's a diss no it's a really nice pop song it's really good <laughs> um, so some Eurovision trivia for you none of the 1956 voting is known other than the winner being Switzerland and in 1964 the Danish hosts managed to lose their video of the contest meaning that no recording of the event exists the 1968 contest at the Royal Albert Hall was the first to be broadcast in colour. Mm. In 1974, the United Kingdom gave nil point to ABBA mm. and all Eurovision songs must be longer than three minutes. ABBA? God, how really, really odd of us. I know. Britain fucking loves ABBA, but clearly didn't at the time. I know. We have a mutual friend and I have texted her asking for permission to tell this story. Laura Atkinson, who's the deputy editor of the Sunday <laughs> Times Star I don't know Star what the story magazine. is. Have you actually texted her asking permission? Yes, I said, do you mind if I talk about this? She is so obsessed with Eurovision. I did know she's obsessed. Hasn't she been before? She bought a ticket and I think I asked her for confirmation of this other fact and she didn't reply and I take her silence as embarrassed, yes. <laughs> I said, did you camp outside the arena? And she didn't reply. And I do remember her saying... She Where did, did she go? Where was it? She, Bratislava. It was somewhere... Yeah, I cannot remember. It was not near home. She, <laughs> but when she said to me, I went to Eurovision, I was like, oh, on a press freebie. And she was like, no, I, I bought really expensive tickets. <laughs> no, that doesn't... That, that absolutely doesn't so surprise me. So that's one of me. many reasons we love her. This year, things apparently might turn a bit nasty because people have predicted that we're going to suffer because of Brexit and... 
I don't think there'll be any difference because well, we always EU countries we get always punish us. we always get punished. Even pre Brexit, <laughs> we do terribly every year. All the Eastern European countries always whack each other up. Well, whilst we sort of dawdle miserably with like three points and some failed five boy band member with a goatee being our <laughs> being our entry. That's the reality. Brexit or no Brexit. I found it so funny when in the fallout of the referendum, there were certain people on Facebook who were so worried about whether we would be able to compete in Eurovision. <laughs> and also those people who seem to think it now meant we weren't a part of the continent of Europe as if we now had to like move to a different continent. <laughs> but it got to a point where so many people were talking about Eurovision around Brexit that I think David Cameron even commented and he said something like, if Azerbaijan are allowed to compete, then we'll be allowed to compete. So we're the new Azerbaijan? We are, yeah. It's handbags at dawn in the literary world. So it's a true case of literary friction. Very nice. So, Joanna Trollope has slammed her fellow author J.K. Rowling for her prolific utilisation of Twitter, comparing her to Kim Kardashian. (laughs) The Independent reports... I don't do anything on social media deliberately. A lot of authors are quite suited to it, but I'm not, Trollope said. Some writers like J.K. Rowling have this insatiable need and desire to be out there all the time, and that's entirely driven by their ego, she continued, singling the Harry Potter author out. My view is that I'm saying everything I need to say in my books. Creating this mass following and tweeting several times a day is like wanting to be Cheryl Cole or Kim Kardashian. I've always felt very sorry for Joanna Trollope with her surname because it really lends itself well to tabloid headlines, doesn't it? Yeah, well, maybe this is, again, a case of nominative determinism here, Trollope. What, her being a bit of a Trollope? Yeah. Mm. So there have been lots of various opinion pieces on it, mainly criticising Joanna Trollope's quite old-fashioned narrow-mindedness on it. Um, I particularly like Catherine Hughes did a piece of The Guardian who said, having a colossal ego is, after all, an entry-level requirement for being a writer. <laughs> Which I must agree, if you think that what you have to say and what the stories you have to is tell valid. are valid, then it means you've got a fairly large ego already. Um, she goes on in this piece by Catherine Hughes, she goes on to say she feels nothing but envy for J.K. Rowling because she says that she seems to have this inexhaustible supply of words and that while lots of writers Mm. (coughs) uh, use Twitter as a distraction from their work, (laughs) um, it seems that she somehow makes it an extension of her work. Like all her tweets are really well thought out and they always have um, a really pertinent message. Mm. Um, But she also says that she's using it for very brave, I think, succinct political commentary she will call out Brexit just as surely as she will someone who's made a nasty comment about the tennis star Serena Williams <laughs> with a commendable indifference as to whether she alienates her wider fan base. She will trash talk anyone who threatens to burn her books simply because she's been rude about Trump. What do you make of this feud, Panda? Where do you stand? Well, that sounds like a brilliant article by Catherine Hughes. I haven't mm. read it. Um, we, I will read it and we'll put it on the High Lows Twitter. I love her reference to Serena Williams because I think that came from someone tweeting that Serena Williams looked like a man in a dress and she retweeted it and was like, I'm sorry, but my husband does yeah. not look like that in a yeah. dress. I love Joanna Trollope as well. 
trying to compare JK Rowling, a woman who literally took herself off the rich list because she's donated so much to charity to Kim Kardashian. And I'm not sure what Cheryl Cole has to do with it either. (laughs) Um, I think this is really disappointing. Each to their own. Don't do social media if you cannot use it as an effective tool. JK Rowling can and does, as Catherine says. And she's one of my favourite people to follow on Twitter. She's a real bastion of the high-low theory as well. There are entire articles dedicated to her best tweets. I think that Joanna Trollope is showing herself up as being a bit behind the times here. I think she's decided that the role of the writer is that you have to be invisible, you tell your stories, you hide behind a page, you send them out into the world and then you kind of go away. But I do understand how some writers would feel that to be on Twitter or to have a personal voice is breaking the fourth wall, ruining the illusion, and bringing the audience into reality too much. But when you're someone who has as much of a following as she does, particularly with young people, you know, she has over 10 million Twitter followers. To not use that platform to say something important, I think would be a criminal waste. And I think beyond her role as a political commentator as well, I think she's providing something really magical for her readers, people who've read Harry Potter and any person who's young reading a book those books become part of your inner world forever, they become a piece of you and I think, you know, part of the reason that all this conversation started up is that she posted a discussion on Twitter where she was talking about why she killed off the character Severus Snape Mm -hmm. in the book and I think that's something that really riled Joanna Trollope up but if you think back to when we were kids and we were really avid readers if Jacqueline Wilson had done a Twitter Q&A and given loads of facts about Tracy Beaker or Louisa M. Elcott had been talking about the March sisters. I think that or would Ina Blyton did a Facebook Ina... Live. Yeah, but I just think we would have loved that. Can you make... Apparently Ina Blyton was a real cow, though. Oh, so no. sad to she find that She wouldn't have been doing Facebook Live. Um, I think it's a really magical thing that she's doing. I was interested by your point about what you said about using your platform for good because that taps into something that I wrote on my website last week about saying that I've felt like celebrities should be compelled to be more open with their views because I was bored of it just being endless sort of press puffery. Can I see the questions in advance? Can I see the copy? Mm. You can't ask this. And someone actually tweeted me back saying, if if a celebrity was my client, I would advise her come hell or high water to keep her mouth shut so she doesn't alienate half her audience. And I replied going, the risk of alienating half your audience is not a reason to not air your views. That is to do with integrity. Uh, You know, I'm I'm sorry. we live in a world where but there's just integrity has no stock. Must appeal to as many people as possible and make exactly. as much money as possible. But which get is approval not... of people all the time. And that's not where JK Rowling stands. No. And that's why I love her. I also fucking hate it when women have these catty bitch fights in the public eye because I just feel like it really perpetuates this idea that women literally do have handbags at dawn. Um, I know, I sort of hated myself for saying that at the top. No, no, but it's true. It is. It's, you know saucer of milk for table two that whole Mm. you know they're cliches for a reason and it links in nicely actually with another quote-unquote celeb feud this week where it was going to be in my top 10 um until we were discussing that we were going to talk about this and i thought i'll slide it further down so katie perry has really opaquely i it makes no fucking sense addressed her feud with taylor swift for the nth time uh in an interview with entertainment weekly to promote her new album when asked she was asked if it was in any way a riposte to bad blood 
Taylor Swift's song that was allegedly about her. And she says, well, I think that's not my question to answer if it's about me. I think my album is a very empowered record. There is no one thing that's calling out one person. One thing to note is you can't mistake kindness for weakness and don't come for me. Anyone, anyone, anyone. And that's not any one person. And don't quote me when it is because it's not. It's not about that. Honestly, when women come together and they decide to unite, this world is going to be a better place. (laughs) Period. End of story. But let me say this. Everything has a reaction or a consequence. So don't forget about that. Okay, honey. We've got to keep it real, honey. I feel like I'm reading modern poetry. You're reading it a bit like, did you watch Ashleen in Big Brother? You better know yourself, little girl. It's a bit like that. (laughs) She's not got a lot of, you won't like me saying this. She's not got a lot of pals. Taylor Swift, has she? Fellow female singers. I'm just going to lead a wide open silence. Moving on to Ask the Hilo. Thank you for your emails this week. You can email us, thehiloshow at gmail.com or tweet us, thehiloshow. And And we treasure every single one of them. (laughs) We do. So this question comes from Emma in Somerset. Hi both, your podcast recently mentioned the cost of books. It hurts to buy a book and not like it. If I don't like it, I give up. Too many books to stick with a rubbish one. For me, libraries are the way forward. Here in the Southwest, we can reserve a book from any library in the same scheme for £1, and more often than not, it's a newbie, so I get a nice fresh book and it's all mine for three weeks. If we don't use our libraries, we lose them. I still buy books, but I now have a 50-50 approach to purchase versus loan. That is a salient reminder. Thank you very much, Emma. So she goes on to say, which leads me to ask, do you keep your books or do you move them on to breathe in new hands i love finding a match for my book whether that's at the charity shop or even a park bench are you keepers or sharers um i'm a real bitch about my books i don't like it about myself i don't like how i am in the kitchen and i don't like no but i that's because i gave you that book (laughs) i just so i just gave dolly back a book that she lent me That's because i knew that you're very careful with things and that you would give it back Yes, so, and I write my name in the front of them like you do, that's what I and do. the date that I got them because my older sister Anna always did that, so I always write I, the books. For me, I think I'm quite precious about them. I'll let. Mm. I'm so mm. relaxed about people borrowing clothes or mm. like breaking things. They tell so much a part of the story for me if it's meant something to me, and I fold down the pages of stuff that that you know spoke to me, and I just I would hate to lose those relics of what the actual copy and you forget what you've lent out we both read quite a lot so we wouldn't specifically remember what we'd read that year I do lend books out but I do always say I must get this back and if I know that someone is an exceptionally inefficient reader I won't lend it out because (laughs) I might not get it back for three years and that's just too too long I also did this um, I used to when I was younger write when I was on holiday whenever I finished a book I'd write a note in it and then I'd leave it somewhere for someone and then I told this like Emma Watson I told this at the time to a boy that I was um, seeing mad. No, I wish I was madly in love with. And he um, told me that it was the most pathetically affected fake bohemia hipster nonsense he'd ever heard and that I needed to get a grip. He's right, but he sounds like a bit of a bastard. So this one comes from Anxious in Oz. Hi Dolly and Pandora, I'm currently writing this in a hot hostel room in Cairns, North Queensland, Australia. I left England six and a half months ago and have had the time of my life. I intend to stay in Australia until October when my first year visa expires, then do some travelling around Southeast Asia and I would love to come back to live in Melbourne for another year after that. But I feel aware that a lot of my friends at home are heavily investing in their careers and making more permanent life choices. I worry I will get left behind when I return home. I know social media portrays everyone's lives through a rose-tinted filter, but I'm potentially about to pick fruit 
for the next three months in order to come back to this country? Am I just running from real life? I know I'm only 23 years old, but I can't help panicking about this. Picking fruit is not a euphemism, by the way. You can actually... Yeah, I remember when I... On my gap here, a lot of people picked fruit in Australia and you get paid minimum wage and I suppose it funds your backpacking for a bit longer mm. um, so I was interested because when when Dolly was first reading this out I did think oh gosh yes it does sound like your friends are getting on with stuff and are you de- you know are you kind of delaying the inevitable descent into um, working adulthood but then at the end when you said you're only 23 I think you're fine I think you're fine I mean I, agree. I am a bit pathetic I will never be someone that will just take a year off work and go backpacking around the world partly because I'm 30 and I did that when I was 18 and there's, it's completely indulgent for me to do it again but also I was always quite scared about the passing of time and what my friends were doing I think I am someone that was and still am but to a much lesser extent affected by the old keeping up with the Joneses so I am someone who lives their life very differently perhaps to how you do yours but I don't think there's anything wrong with you taking some time to discover who you are I would caution against two years is quite a long time. Um, so I would say only do it if you really are going to enjoy it. If we're going to spend the whole time worrying about what everyone else mm. is doing at home, maybe have a happy medium of 18 months. I don't know. Yeah. What do you, I don't want to be too prescriptive, though, because people are very different in the way they choose to live their lives and their careers. What do you think, Doll? I think um, if I could go back and say one thing, one piece of advice to, to your younger self, Ooh, what would you say? Only one. I've got about 40 years. If I had just, If I had just one thing to say, it would be travel and stop worrying about your life passing because I I right it always works out I considered taking a gap year and then I decided not to I was 17 when I left school I'd only been 18 for two weeks when I started university I was 20 when I got my degree and 21 when I got my master's I was too young and then I went straight into a job in TV within the first year and I was so desperate to do stuff quickly. I just wanted to be a grown-up. I wanted to make my own money. I wanted my own career identity. I wanted to be taken seriously. And now the irony is the thing that makes me sometimes take myself less seriously is that I feel like I have not seen the world. And How interesting, because I did take a gap year. I'm and so jealous. If I'd gone I'm straight so to jealous. university, straight out of an all-girls school and had not had that year to meet people from different walks of life and different areas of the globe and have flings what does areas of the globe mean sorry different parts of the world and had flings and stuff yeah that was a really crucial year for me also I'm kind of slightly shocked and embarrassed that you entered the workplace I think 18 months younger than I did but I'm but I don't think there's still that. time well the thing is is that I used to you say go to, to the Falkland Islands <laughs> go see Matt Hay my parents she's not coming to... Matt chill out it's all right <laughs> Matt, you can take that double off. And Matt Hayes' girlfriend, it's fine. Um, I think my mum used to say to me, look, you are very, very young to be doing what you're doing. Why don't, maybe you should go see some stuff and learn some stuff. And I just was so arrogant. I just thought that I could learn it all here. And I thought that one day I might be able to take a year off and now it would be a complete I still think dream about it sometimes but I think as a writer you could maybe when you write your next book I could but it's like a huge expense yeah it is I'm now at a point where like picking you don't want to stay in a hostel with 24 people yeah exactly but when I if I had been in my early 20s that would have been totally yeah completely and I also would say without sounding like someone who has made a career out of calling themselves a guru and I have particular gripes with those kind of people um (laughs) The only thing that you can spend money on and will make you richer is travel. 
I was I was wondering what that was. I was thinking I was like food. No. Yep, that's a very good point. I would not be in a rush. And also, even if you get to thirty, you know, we all have different paths. I think it's wrong to think that we all need to get married and buy houses. Some people feel safety in different ways, and if you feel safety by seeing as much of the world as possible, and that's what makes you feel alive and free. Then do that forever. Absolutely. I've I've I'm on and have followed a pretty conventional path. Um, as Dolly said. Um, rather embarrassingly summarising my entire existence I am 30 and I am trying to buy a house but you do not have to do what me or anyone else does just make sure that you are enjoying and that you have conviction in your choices I feel very strongly about having conviction in your choices so one more just for luck I am so desperate for the loo I have to share it because I I wondered if Dolly could see that I am in actual physical pain why don't you just say it then you can say goodbye okay one more just for luck this is from Emily dear Dolly and Pandora I am embarking as a graduate HR manager within the largest cruise company in the UK, combining my love of cruising, yes, I'm 80 years old and 22 year old's body, Obsessed and people. However, I've only ever had rather typical student jobs like shop assistant, waitress, to name a few, where I had no real responsibility. God, I'd argue that a waitress has so much responsibility, so I wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, this will be my first proper job taking on responsibility and being part of a large company. Any tips? Um, do you want to go first, Panda? Um, I will say, yes, I'm, I will actually say that I think being a waitress and a shop assistant would be terrifying. I'd be absolutely shit at it. Um, just, you know, shout out to all the shop assistants and waitresses that might listen to us out there. But I think that's really lovely that you're sort of really want, you're looking at it thinking, you know, how can I build this into my career? And how can I make sure that I really take this as the first step into hopefully a kind of, you know, lifetime um, vocation? And again, I always worry that we sound patronising because we're old and you're only 22. Um, but enjoy it. Soak it up. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, that that harks back to last week when we had someone that was so crippled by her own mistake that she was struggling to move forward. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to enjoy it. But also remember that it is a job. That's all from me. Thanks very much for listening to Hilo. Now Dolly will reply. Um, what I would say... <laughs> Um, what I would say to you is try and stay calm and try and be efficient because the thing with when you get yourself in too much of an emotional whirlwind is that you become sort of incapable. And this happened to me time and time again when I would do work experience where I would be so nervous and so in my head that someone would say, ask a really simple task of me, just something photocopying something. And then I'd just stand in front of the photocopy and be like, oh, I actually don't know how to use I don't know what's paper what's ink so I think that if you can just try and stay present and stay calm then it's much less likely that you'll fuck up and now we've just got some dead space but it's just me in the studio on my own Charlie maybe I should ask you a few words how are you enjoying producing the high low <laughs> I don't think I should be a, a personality on the podcast <laughs> oh I quite like the idea you can be like um Will on TFI Friday. Yeah. People people still remember him. Yeah. I mean, you don't seem too enthusiastic about it. You look like you've got a tan, Charlie. Where have you been? I, I suffered sunburn in Gloucestershire on Sunday. No way. Yeah. Where in Gloucestershire were you? Stroud. Panda things have gone wildly oh, off piece. Yeah, I've just been interviewing Charlie. Oh, just back from really, really good pee. <laughs> you are going to love when you hear that back. It's so long. What are you talking about? Must have um, some water Charlie now. Or my... was uh, just ch- telling us um, about his sunburn that he got in Gloucestershire. Is this part of the um, 
Yeah. A high-low question. Yeah. No, I finished answering it. And oh, then, right. And then I monologued for a bit, and then I just thought, and then I thought... I, I it, just thought you'd just finish the podcast while I was going to the loo. Oh, no, I thought you should be here to help <laughs> with the goodbye. So anyway, <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Thank you to Acast. Have you thanked Acast? No, for letting I, us I was use... waiting for us to do it together. Oh, sorry. Thank no, you to worry. Acast for letting us use your studio. Much less hot this time. I'm pretty red. I just saw myself in the in the bulk mirror. <laughs> Thank you very much, Acast. Thank you very much, Lauren Benstead, for our sexy music. Um, you can email us, show at gmail.com and tweet us at show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and please read us a review because we really enjoy bettering ourselves. No, we just want to get higher up the iTunes Also, charts. I love reading those reviews. Thank you to everyone who's done them. They give us a real boost. Yeah, they're very, they're very funny. We even enjoy the insulting ones because they're also very funny. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to episode 10. We will see you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.